Welcome to the Myofascial Health Podcast, hosted by me, Unu. Follow along as I explore the depths of John Barnes' myofascial release approach on my road to mastery. Along the way, I'll be sharing the lessons I learn as I open my myofascial release practice in Austin, Texas, so that you don't have to make the same mistakes I do. I want to go back to the energy piece just because mm-hmm. how we started working together is uh, I think I was taking uh, myofascial mobilization. Mm. Um, I think it's taught by Dave. Dave Frederick, yeah. Great, great teacher. He's Highly fantastic. recommend that course. Yeah. But um, as I was treating, And I was assisting. Yeah, you yeah, were assisting. Yeah. I, was, I was taking the class just because it was in Austin and uh, Aaron was assisting. And when I was doing one of the techniques... You came by and you were like, can you see this energy flow? It's going down through the psoas and it's swirling around the knee. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. And, but for me, I recognize that you are able to tap into something, which is something I think that I hope to uh, be able to harness, mm-hmm. but also I'm not rushing my process. You know, I think um, when I mentioned this to, I think John, he's like, don't worry about it. You don't see it yet, but you're still yeah. doing a great job and right. you're you're here to help somebody, right. not here to see energy, right? right? But I think innately or intuitively, I have a sense for it. I just can't either I get in my own way or or something happens towards like I just trust what I feel and I don't let my mind really go into that place of whether it be seeing pictures, colors, energies, things like that. Sure. Uh, and so because of that, and I'll say, I'm going to tell this because nothing in life really is linear ever. And so, um, how I was connected to your practice is I had gone to the mechanic and they forgot to put the bottom of my car back in correctly. And so the plastic part fell out and I was on the highway and I was like, I got to pull over. And I found myself in this parking lot and I saw, man, right? Yeah, it was so random. (laughs) And so uh, I saw, you know, Central Texas Myofascial Release. I was like, oh, there's a Myofascial Release therapist here. Interesting, right? And then I come across you at the seminar, Myofascial Mobs, and that's when I was like, okay, I think this is a direction I'm supposed to go, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, but with that being said, how did you go about harnessing this ability to see energy? Was that something that you've always done, like you've said, and you were now able to kind of put some words or descriptions around it? Or is it something that developed as you got further and further into myofascial release? Yeah. Sometimes I wonder what I did see as a kid. Um, I don't know, because I think that we do tamp down a lot of natural abilities, right? Mm Because they don't quite fit in and we don't really talk about that kind of stuff. Um, Honestly, I think there was a huge shift after the subtle energy class, and I learned that I wasn't crazy. Okay. Okay? And if I came over to you and asked if you could see that, I don't say that to everybody, right? And so I see part of my role as a teacher as as I'm seeing something, to give you permission to maybe see if you can feel it because it's there, right? Because mm-hmm. you're close, 
right? There's, there's a closeness to it, like, okay, this is what's happening. Permission to feel it if you can, no big deal if you can't, mm-hmm. right? Or um, yeah, I think it's really important as teachers like to, to give our students just a little extra step, right? Like the next step mm-hmm. without pressure. Yes. Okay. So that's what I'll say about that. Okay. Um, I really do feel like I just am very lucky that I kept meeting people to give me permission to honor what I was actually feeling Mm. because I think that's really rare. I would agree with that. Yeah, I feel real lucky. Yeah, and I'll say that in Wild Fashion Release, we're always told that, right? Don't ever lead or force. That's right. Just allow them to feel and let their experience be their experience. That's right. I think as new therapists, especially when you are around Wild Fashion Release therapists, let's say you're in study groups or you go to seminars, people share what they're feeling and, and then you go back on your own and you're like telling your patient, you're supposed to be feeling this. And mm. right when you do that, you've lost it. Right. That's never something I would do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I just want to make that distinction because I think you're a seasoned therapist. I've mm-hmm. been doing this for a number of years now. And you can recognize, even though that's what you want, that's not the actual client's experience. Mm-hmm. And when you impose onto their experience, it takes them away. It no longer allows them to be in control. And honestly, you're not doing the work correctly. Um, I always ask for that energy and I like your explanation of just inviting the student to see it, but not putting any extra pressure. The person that I realized uh, did my skill enhancement seminar was Jeannie. Mm. And I remember asking her like, how do you go about seeing energy? And she was like, you can try reading this book, but honestly, just go out and and look at the trees, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's energy coming off of the trees and the bigger the tree, the more energy it's going to have. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that when I go to Sedona and the great grandfather tree, I, I, there's, it's subtle. It's not like, here's the energy. It's not here. It's like you walk into it and it's like, you feel a little bit something different. And, but I remember after my skill enhancement and I'm feeling supercharged, I would go out and I'd look at trees for like hours and not see anything. So it's one of those things where it's like, I could tell that I was forcing it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was pushing the envelope. But I mean, I, I like spending time in nature. It, it helps me calm down and get sure. out of my head. So sure. it's not like it was a waste or anything, but I'd never acquired this, this uh, energy visibility thing. I think it's interesting to bring up Grandfather Tree. If people don't know, if you are um, at the back of Beyond Trail near Cathedral Rock, um, when you come out of the parking lot and go down a couple steps, you're in a dry creek bed. And if you go to the left, there is this very old tree that has been around a long time that we call grandfather tree in the myofascial world. And if you go to the right, there's grandmother tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time I went out there, I didn't feel anything. Right? Now I can feel grandfather tree from the parking lot. Wow. Okay. And part of it, and I think this is a really um, important piece. Sometimes when I'm describing to patients like how to feel the fascial system, because everybody's coming in at a different level. 
Yes. Right? And a different awareness. And the trick is always meeting people where they're at. Absolutely. That's the, when you're grounded and centered, you can always meet people where they are at and you're never forcing. So I'll say that. But most people have never even felt the fascial system. We can say the same for the energy, right? And so I describe it, it's like you're going to a new town and you don't know any of the radio stations. And so you have to find the frequencies that match up to the station. So I was like, we're going to try and find Fascia FM, and we're going to move the dial, and we're going to feel different things in order to connect with the frequency of the fascial system, right? We could do it for each organ. We could do it for a muscle. We could do, like, each part of our bodies has, like, a slightly different frequency. And when we know that, we can tune into it. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea that the radio stations even exist, you're not going to turn the dial, right? And if you only think there's one way in which to connect to energy, you're going to miss a huge, broad range of ways to get into a system, mm-hmm. okay? So, like, now I know the frequency of grandfather tree, and so I can feel it. It's easy. Like, I don't have to, like, futz through the entire dial in order to find that frequency. Same thing with fascia. Same thing with, you know, different or- colors, that sort of thing. You, you, once, you, once you know the frequency of it, it's much easier to align with it. Is that helpful? No, that's a perfect analogy. I okay. love that analogy. Uh, just because it does just a really good job of getting you in tune or in that frequency. And I think especially when you're in channel five or in your head or operating around fear, you just don't even give yourself the opportunity to connect to those right frequencies. That's right. Okay. And so you kind of followed the energy or you said you feel like the energy has to be right. How did you, I guess, what was the defining moment for you to be like, okay, I've learned about my fast release. I feel like this is part of my plan. And then the next step is starting your own practice. Mm-hmm. I was really blessed to work in a practice um, with a lot of myofascial therapists. I, I do think that this is a really important piece in my development as a therapist because I was surrounded by eight or nine people who were doing myofascial release every day and I wasn't working in isolation. And so you see, you know, you have mentorship, you have um, people who can explain things, you can double with people, you can experience it. And so I feel so blessed to have been in a time and a space in this clinic with the mentorship I got. And also, like, things were shifting. People were trying to figure out they were going to retire or what was happening with the business. And I just didn't want to stay in uncertainty because that uncertainty was uncomfortable. But I needed that uncertainty to be able to leave, Mm. right? It's much like teenagers, like they're just miserable at home because you want them to leave the nest, right? It was kind of, it's developmental stages, right? You know, we're talking about caterpillars and struggling. Like it's all developmental stages when we look back on things. Mm -hmm. And so it became more comfortable for me to come out of the cocoon and fly on my own than to stay in. And that is when I knew it was time to leave. Interesting. And uh, so you're in a great environment and you have this feeling based on, it sounds like the situation was changing and you were just like, 
it's more comfortable for me now to leave than it is to stay. Correct. I okay. I totally resonate with that. Yes. Um, I think you can convince yourself to stay in situations for much longer than you should. Yes. And when you do that, I think there's an internal struggle or war with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you finally let go that you get some clarity and some peace. Um, I'll say that my experience is very different. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I got exposed to my fast release. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn from somebody who knew it to make sure that I was doing it correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember applying for jobs at even Therapy on the Rocks. I wanted to work for Diane Hargroder mm-hmm. in San Antonio, mm-hmm. but none of those opportunities panned out. And mm-hmm. I think that was what was meant for my path mm-hmm. because I think I am someone who typically wants to learn from somebody else. And mm-hmm. by not having anybody else, I was forced to kind of figure it out on my own and stand on my own two feet. Mm-hmm. And once you go through that, you can walk into situations of uncertainty. I'm not saying I'm super confident in those moments, but I have the confidence to know that it's gonna be fine. Like it will work out the way it's supposed to work out. And as long as the energy is right about that, then then it's something that's beyond my comprehension, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so whether you have a mild fascia release network that you can learn from or you have to kind of figure this out on your own there's not any right or wrong way to do it right and i think it's important for people to recognize that where yeah in an ideal world maybe you would like for someone to show you the ropes but that doesn't always have to be the case and it's what is resonating with you in your specific situation that's 100 percent right and also it's a reminder of like why are we doing this job? And you could look at it a couple different ways. Personally, I'm doing this job because I can't imagine doing anything else. Agreed. Right? I can't imagine not coming to work and loving what I do every day. I can't imagine working for somebody else at this point. Like, I love the freedom of my schedule and that sort of thing, but I get to do the work the way I want to do it, mm-hmm. right? But more broadly and more important is we are caregivers who are supporting the people that we're supposed to support. And there are how many people on this planet? And none of them are the same. And so I think that we are drawn and called to the people who we are supposed to treat yes, and help along their path. And so, of course, as therapists, our paths are not going to look the same and we're not going to help the same people probably. And that's great. We don't have to be like someone else. Mm-hmm. We can be ourselves like the principles of the fascia work and, and, and life give us the container and the boundaries with which to work in. Yes. Yeah. I, one, just love how you put that. I mm-hmm. think that's recognizing everyone's on their own journey. Um, but what I also love is you love your job. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, not everyone can wake up and say that. 
And I think we need to redefine our definition of success to be that, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, and this comes from Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of yeah, who sure. he is. Yeah. But he talks about how like, you know, people think that being an entrepreneur now is like super sexy and you're making like tons of money, this, yeah. that, and the other. Yeah. And he says that most of the people that he knows that owns private jets are miserable. That's right. And so it's redefining what success looks like. And I think a great way to do that is something that I resonate with your story is I wake up on Mondays and I love it. It's my favorite day of the exactly, week. Exactly, right? My favorite day of the week. But when I was working for an outpatient clinic, getting you know multiple patients per hour, it's like you would dread that Monday. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that if you are a new therapist, you feel called to do this work, recognize that you can make it whatever you want and also to have a mindset of abundance right Mm -hmm. we don't treat the same uh, we live in the same town exactly and And there's plenty for us and everybody else exactly yeah but i think a lot of times especially in business you have a scarcity mindset where you're Mm -hmm. saying oh my gosh if now I'm working in the same city as Erin, and she's been doing this for 20 years, and I've only been doing this for X amount of years, then obviously she's going to get more patience than me, and da, da 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 And it's like, no, that's not it at all. Remember that the purpose that you have for doing this work is to help somebody else. That's right. And if you can serve somebody else, then there's no amount to what it is that you're able to do. And I think when you can recognize that, like when I see you and your business success, I am happy for you, mm-hmm. right? But if you have that scarcity mindset, and I've seen this where it's like, oh, well, if they did it, then da-da-da-da, you know, it, it means something negative mm-hmm. where it's like, yo, we're just here enjoying life. And if you feel called to do this, to be truly in the service of others, then you can also find your happiness. Um, I will say that, uh, for maybe our situations where it's like the comfort of leaving was much more palatable than staying mm-hmm. uh, was that step. Now, if someone was, let's say, a new grad PT mm-hmm. and literally they're in a mill and everything that they're being told is, you know, you have to work five years before you can start your own thing or, you know, what makes you think you can do it? No mm-hmm. one's willing to pay more than their copay, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? I think there's a couple of things. Um, I think that as humans, we're so locked into our experiences, our experiences, and we project those on others. Mm-hmm. So if you are a mill t- PT for the last 20 years and you had to put in your dues and you have to do all of these things, you expect that the younger people are going to have to do the same, right? Mm-hmm. That's not really true. It could be. And I think sometimes young people want to jump ahead. Yes. Without, oh, here, here's, here's what I want to say. I love the idea of grounded confidence, okay? I think some people have confidence without competence. Ooh, yeah. And some have 
competence without confidence. Yes. Right? But I love the idea of grounded confidence where you know what you know and you're confident because you know what you know. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that comes with a little bit of experience. Sure. But maybe not. Right? Maybe maybe a new grad has a lot of, of really good ideas and can be grounded. Um, I think sometimes like these, you referenced Gary and there's, there's a number of, of like business coaches, right? Yeah. Um, coaches is a whole other thing, but like they get you to believe in scarcity because they're trying to get you to buy their program. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to say that, right. Yeah. When you're building a practice, like some of that is true, but some of that is you got to do good work and take care of your people. I don't care what kind of funnel you have if your funnel is a sieve. What is it? What do you mean by a sieve? Like like a colander, tons of holes. Oh, like gotcha, if you gotcha. are getting tons of people in but losing them because you are not taking care of them, you are not making their experience something that they want to come back for, mm-hmm. um, that's where you miss the boat. So don't get so caught up in the business that you lose the quality of the work. Yes. Uh, and I will refer to this back to just channel five and channel three. Right. right? The channel three, uh, to remind those who are maybe uh, new to myofascial release, is more of your right brain. You know, it's mm-hmm. intuitive, it's creative, and that's where love is. Uh, whereas your left brain is more of channel five. It's logical, linear, often impulsive, and that's where fear tends to be. Mm-hmm. And when, in my experience, right, I became a PT because I had my own injuries that I had to heal from, mm-hmm. and I was able to use my experiences to now help those who I have the honor of serving. And that's where I feel whole. You know, I think when I am a therapist and I get to help someone with their pains and injuries, I have that grounded confidence Right. where I lose that is with business. Right. And I think right. a lot of times that will shift me into the channel five and then you're worried about the numbers and this yes. and, that and the other. And it's like, I have to remind myself, do not sell out to the numbers, you know? Right. I, you know, whether I have, uh, let's say one person signs up for a course that I want to make. It's like, some people will be like, is it worth it? You know, is it worth it? It's only one person. And I used to be that person where it's like, man, I want at least this many before I put the effort and energy into it. Versus now I'm like, but I get to help that one person and that will make a meaningful difference in their life. And so uh, I just have to remind myself, it's like, remember your why. Why did you become a physical therapist? Most PTs didn't become PTs to make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I don't want you to close off to the idea that that's unattainable, but it's recognizing what you're doing it for. And when I can always reconnect reconnect to my heart and my purpose, it is to help those who I have the honor of serving. And it's not about like, oh, well, now I need them to do this program or that. It's like, no, no, no. I just need to be able to help them where they're at. And I am now at a place where I feel good about that part of my chapter. Yeah, I think a lot of my feelings of abundance come from energy exchange. 
right? So when I think about what I'm going to create or what I want to do or what I want to keep or what I want to let go of, right? I'm always asking myself, does this feel like a good energy exchange? Am I getting what I'm giving? Mm -hmm. And if there's an imbalance of that, I usually know something's off. Like I'm in my head or like I'm trying to force something or like what I'm offering, like what I'm putting down, nobody's picking up, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's something wrong in the energy of it. I love that you always refer back to that. Yes. Because you intuitively feel it. I can convince myself to do the thing that yeah. I'm not energetically aligned to. Yeah. And I will say that I've burnt myself out multiple times yeah. because of that. Because you're not getting fed. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's almost ego driven to do it just to say totally. that I did it, not for the reasons of helping or serving anybody else. Right. Right. And I think oftentimes when you feel the energy is off, it comes back to that. So right. uh, I hope you can learn from Aaron's decades of experience versus me being new and and maybe overexerting myself when the energy isn't right, just follow the energy, whether that is in business, in what you do, relationships. I think once you learn to follow the energy and trust it, yeah. and that is the toughest part because only you can feel that energy. But now you're around other people who everybody has an opinion and it's easy. Oh, well, so-and-so said to do this or so-and-so said to do that. You have so many coaches these days and, and then you, you fall into the fear trap. Oh my gosh, but I got to do that. And it's like, your energy is sporadic. Uh, you're going to have a lot of holes in your funnel. And then even if you do get the patience to reach out to you, because the energy is off, I would be very curious to see what your results are with that patient That's and right. how often they come back. In myofascial release, if you're doing the work the right way for the right reasons, it is not uncommon for you to have a lifelong patient or client. That's right. But in the traditional PT mill, it's like, oh, you're just following these protocols. If you got low back pain, it's a low back pain protocol. And it's like, you're, you're treating them like a number. And because That's of that, right. oftentimes when they are done with that, they're, they don't have the experience. They don't feel like they were uh, understood or listened to. Or and, met. Or met. Everybody wants to be met. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, you jumped into business, mm -hmm. and I noticed that you're now doing pelvic health. Yes. Was that something that you learned um, in your network of PTs, or is that something that you did once you started your own practice? Yeah, in PT school, one of my professors, um, Elaine Wilder, was the section leader for women's health for the APTA back in the early days. And so I knew that it existed, but also pelvic health classes really didn't start until the 90s. It was a bunch of female pelvic floor therapists or just physical therapists who were having problems who got together and say, I think we can figure this out. So I'm always reminded that it's a baby branch of our discipline, mm -hmm. right? But I think John was already doing some pelvic health um, in his clinics before he created the Women's Health Seminar. And um, certainly the woman who owned my clinic did it and she was like, you gotta learn because we've got so many pelvic floor patients, you gotta learn. And so I very quickly learned on the job. But um, 
in a kind of to circle back to it was like the just the next step because I had people coming in that needed help. I didn't know how to help them. So I learned how to help them. Right. Mm -hmm. And each new diagnosis would come in and I'd kind of have to learn it. And then I would get a flood of those people because they would tell their friends, there's somebody who can actually help you with X, Y, or Z. Right. Um, and so I love the pelvic health and I love the pelvic health under kind of a myofascial whole body approach to things instead of it just being, okay, I'm going to treat between the ribs and the knees, which is how I've actually heard some pelvic PTs market themselves, wow. right? Like we, un- we intuitively understand that the pelvic floor, the organs, like they are all part of the entirety of the system, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't shy away from any part of the system. So why would we shy away from pelvic health? And all these really important basic functions, peeing, pooping, sex, like having babies, these are all very normal parts of life. We don't freak out about treating elbows. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't freak out about treating pelvic health. And it is some of the most rewarding work that I do. That's amazing. I can remember when I took Women's Health, uh, the myofascial release course, and... uh, as a guy, I'm just like, I remember feeling a little bit anxious. I didn't know what to expect. But if you understand the principles of mild faster release, it's just like anything else. You know, you just mm-hmm. got to stay centered, mm-hmm. be very intentional. And one for me, when I feel that therapeutic pulse, I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing it correctly. Yeah. Um, but it it is the moment before that where you're like, all these thoughts of, oh man, is this going to be comfortable? What's my energy like? Is it, you know, I, I didn't even know what a vulva was, you know, until like... Most people don't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. If you don't, go look it up on Google. Uh, so it's, I, I always say, uh, uh, vulva is to face as vagina is to esophagus. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect analogy. You got it. For those gentlemen listening to this, remember that. Yeah. And, and okay, so uh, so you felt called to do this work yeah. or is this a natural progression? Yeah. Um, did you do it before you started your own business, it sounds like? Yes. Okay, and do yeah. you find that it helped you uh, with your practice? Because I think a lot of times in business, you hear that you're supposed to p- pick a niche. Mm, yes, right, yeah. And, uh, and depending on who you talk to, um, for myself, I, I work with rock climbers sure. primarily. Yeah. Um, and that's helped me get my start. But I'm at this chapter now where it's like, well, I can help more than just climbers. Right. And so I started to branch off or expand my practice in terms of who I'm able to help. And, and it just is a marketing perspective, right? Right. Uh, for you, did you find that women's health was your bread and butter or, or what? I don't mean to disappoint you, but I do zero marketing and zero social media. Okay. Zero. That doesn't disappoint me at all. Okay, good. What I do is I help people. Mm -hmm. And they tell their friends and they tell their providers. And I build relationships with the providers and they trust me. 
and they send me their people. Now, in the whole, I don't have to be everybody's cup of tea, I don't typically foster so many relationships with like the general OB-GYN. Mm-hmm. There are other pelvic floor clinics in town that do. There's some insurance-based clinics. Like, I think everything is needed for access, right? Because um, some people really need to use their insurance. Like, they pay for it. They, like, if that's going to get them help, they should go see them. Um, but it's the relationships. It's the way I come in grounded, centered, connected. The way I'm not afraid of emotions or feelings that people are having my comfort having conversations about sexual health um, that other people are not right Mm -hmm. Um, my comfort in talking about what's happening with pregnancy postpartum my comfort with what's happening with menopause and perimenopause like because I've geeked out about all of these things like that is what makes my practice Mm -hmm. right but everything ebbs and flows. I never want to give up my full body myofascial practice. So I don't try and pigeon myself into any hole. I mean, on any given day, I'll see ankle pain, back pain, pelvic floor pain, prolapse, headaches. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just treating a whole body. And really, I don't care what diagnosis or what problem anybody comes in with. I'm just treating their whole self. Their being. Their being. So I think sometimes having the niche gets people in the door, but I'm never really treating that. Mm-hmm. I'm always treating the whole. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful or confusing. No, no. Uh, I think it's just different based on my journey. Right. Um, and for me, I actually wanted to go into women's health or pelvic health. Mm. Um, took John's class. And uh, what ended? But why? Why did you want to correct pelvic health? Okay, so the energy was off. It was because I thought that you, I, I didn't know if rock climbing could even be a thing. Right. And I had taken a trip to Waco Tanks, which is in Uh El Paso, Uh and I met some climbers out there. And there's a term for some climbers that called dirt bags. Oh, the people that travel around. You got they live out of a van and they just drive around and climb. And I was like okay, well, they're living out of their car. Like, they're not going to pay for physical therapy, especially at the rates that I want to charge. I don't think this is viable. But moms, like, don't have a lot of time, have families and disposable income, and that was my rationale. Yes, right. So you looked at it from a business standpoint of like, oh, I think that these people could pay me. Correct. Yes, okay. And that is the energy is going to be off, right? And so I remember getting business cards printed out and all this stuff being like, okay, I took women's health. This is definitely something that women need. But my energy is not the same as when you speak about it. There's like a very innate, um, whether it's your, your ability to hold space for whether it be feelings or sex or any prolapse or birth or things like that, I didn't have any of that. And so looking back now, I just laugh because I was so naive of being like, okay, I could do this work, which I'm not saying I can't, but I know that my energy wasn't aligned for that. And I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And what ended up happening is, and this is where I feel like there's 
some superior being or consciousness or energy or the universe that's looking after me is mm -hmm. as I was making this decision, the wrong decision, my friend, she injured her shoulder uh, while snowboarding and mm -hmm. she's a rock climber. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, I've seen my massage therapist. It's gotten a little bit better, but I'm, I can't climb. It still hurts. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And it wasn't until I helped her, I was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Right. And that energy felt right, even though I was scared of like, how's this going to work? Climbers I don't think are going to pay, da, 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 da. Right. But the energy was right. And because I was willing to take that risk of being like, okay, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to do it for one year. And if, yeah. I, if, it's, if it doesn't work out, then I can always pivot but I will regret it if I don't do this and then I see somebody else do it, I will know that I will feel some kind of way about that. Sure. But that's ultimately what I take as the universe pushing me or nudging me along in my path that was meant for me. And so right. as a climber, like I said, I love what I do. Of course. I, and the energy around that is aligned, so. Right. I didn't go, I did not go to PT school. I went for sports medicine, not to be a pelvic PT, not to be a myofascial release therapist. I was all sports medicine until my last clinical. And I think that we have these beautiful forks in the road, right? That we, if we, we can listen, we can follow. Like I have never, I didn't set out to have my own practice. Like this is not where I thought I would be, but all I do is I follow the step. So you have patients come in that need help, you help them. Mm -hmm. And that begets more. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and it leads to so much joy because you're following what you love. Yes. Yeah. And uh, can you maybe elaborate on what it means to you to follow your intuition? Mm, yeah. I can only really have my experience. Mm -hmm. So I always think that there's a limitation in explaining my experience. But I'll tell you a couple of the things that I do with my clients to get them to tune into it, okay? In my office, I have two different treatment rooms. And every time somebody comes in, I ask them to walk into each treatment room and feel which one feels more like a yes that day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when my daughter was young, we'd go on walks, we'd come to a stop sign, and we'd stop and we'd say right or left and listen for the answer, right? So they're like these baby steps that you can do to practice. Like you're probably gonna, not gonna start out with a huge question. It's this baby step learning to trust yourself and learning to listen to the voice in low stakes environment that help develop the muscle of being able to tune in when it's bigger. Mm. Can I add to that? Please. So uh, one, I love that about your practice. When I came to get treated, you were very much like, which room feels good to you? Yeah. And what's funny is, uh, you know, there's the big room and I think it's just a very well set up space. It's very inviting. And that, that was my first one. 
But when I was going through some chaos, let's say, I gravitated to the smaller room. And then after picking that room, you would let me know, like, for whatever reason, when people are going through chaos, they pick this room. More uh, often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I love that you, it seems like you're even teaching your daughter, like, how to trust it, right? Right. For me, my intuition from what I can gather is it's often a decision or something that pulls me in a direction that I don't feel super great about, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. almost like like if I can romanticize the future, that's like a fantasy. But my intuition kind of tugs at me very subtly. And so how I came to myofascial release I, well, I had actually quit my job to take a course, mm-hmm. but that was it. I was like all the way in and my, it was just like, I could not get the fulfillment out of my outpatient job. Mm-hmm. I was called to, to John's course, but even when I took that first course, I was like, what is this? You know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't like, oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. I knew totally. that this, it was like completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's for where I'm at with my journey where I'm learning to trust it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as you practice, just like a muscle, you get more and more uh, confidence with trusting your intuition. Grounded confidence. Yes, yes. grounded yes. confidence. Yes. Whereas I think I sometimes am swayed by my environment, the people that I'm around, versus just really tuning in and being grounded in that moment of being like, what feels good to me? no matter what anybody else says. And, uh, and that is where I'm at, and I'm just learning through that process. I think it's important to remember that we're having this conversation with me feeling pretty good about where I am with the myofascial work and mm-hmm. my business and grounded, but there's plenty of areas in my life that I might be struggling with kind of that same energetic thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to talk about is that nobody has it all together in all areas of their life, mm-hmm. right? And we are coming and learning and struggling in all different ways. But again, bring it back to the caterpillar butterfly analogy that we started with. It's like sometimes that's just part of the process. Mm-hmm. And to give ourselves a little grace, to give others grace in that process, because we don't, we want to try, we try so hard to have other people avoid suffering. Yeah. Or ourselves, you know, um, our patients even sometimes. And... I think John's uh, encouragement for us to let go of the outcome, right, is so important because we don't know. We can just stay connected and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. If we push too hard, it doesn't work. If we disconnect, it doesn't work. We've got to stay engaged and follow the flow. In the uncertainty. Yeah. That's part of it. I love how you put that. I love that you tied it back to the caterpillar to butterfly. Uh, 
Are there any last thoughts you want to share about to wrap this up? I appreciate the conversation. Likewise. I always think that we need to have more challenging conversations. And I think that sometimes we're scared that when we don't have it all together to put things out here, which is why I think that you were like so brave in this podcast journey because you're figuring things out in real time. Yes. And you're reaching out to people um, to learn different things. And I think that that is so admirable and important. And I think that we all need to know what we know, be comfortable that we don't know everything, and just I feel so much gratitude for every single teacher, every single patient, um, every single person that has brought me to I, where I am right here, right now, in a messy and imperfect package. And I think when we can follow our joy, it is so fulfilling. Because we really are doing what we're meant to do. We just didn't know that that's what we were supposed to do usually when we started. Thanks for listening to another episode of Myofascial Health. I help myofascial release therapists create beautiful websites for their MFR practices, even if they aren't tech savvy. If you're just starting your MFR practice or you're an experienced MFR practice owner, learn more about how I can help at www.myofascial.health website. Thank you.